Welcome to the I Am Mentally Tough podcast. Today, our guest is Tuck Taylor, who is a mental performance specialist and the owner of NeuroBeast. NeuroBeast is a science-based program that is designed to give athletes a competitive advantage by optimizing the way they perceive and process information. Tune in as we talk about mental fatigue and what athletes can do to increase their athletic performance. Welcome to the I Am Mentally Tough podcast. Today, our guest is Tuck. He's the owner of NeuroBeast, which is a mental performance company that is geared towards optimizing the way athletes' brain work. Now, I got introduced to Tuck via Instagram. Uh, Nowadays, this is how you meet people is Instagram. And I stumbled upon this page and I saw all these cool gadgets, futures. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I saw a basketball player doing a drill and I'm like could I have done that while I was playing basketball hitting a red light or green light and dribbling the ball at the same time like what in the world is this so I uh, began to follow you and notice all the things you were pointing out notice all the things that you were posting I'm like this is so cool so I'm so glad that I have a chance to have you on the podcast and I would love for you to just tell my followers who you are I keep saying my followers. I mean, our followers. Um, Coach David Anderson is not on the podcast today. He had some last minute travel changes. So if you can just let our followers know who you are, how you get started in it, and just give us a deep dive on NeuroBeast. Got you. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, had you on my podcast not too long ago. It was uh, definitely my favorite episode of all of my oh, episodes. That's, and that's not just the be whatever. Like it was, it was a good flow, good conversation. Uh, also got a lot of good feedback from it, so I appreciate that. Yes. So, as Gladden said, I'm Coach Tuck Taylor. Um, I own a company called NeuroBeast, which evolved from kind of a bigger company called Beast Athletics. So I got my start in the strength conditioning field. Uh, been a strength conditioning coach for the past 15 years. And what got me into the cognitive training and the mental performance was that I figured out how to enhance speed, agility, strength, and I would still go watch my athletes play and they weren't performing that well. So I'm like, well, man, we went hard in the weight room. Like I, this, this is like, I felt like the kid was getting robbed because he put all this work in and was still performing bad. So I was like, all right, well, what else really goes into sports performance? And so I started breaking it down. I was like, all right, well, there's skills. So I was like, well, I don't want to do skills. Uh, so there's strength conditioning. I do that. And I was like, what else is there? I was like, oh, there's the mental side. I was like, I can, we can, we can address that. And so this was about probably about eight years ago where I had that epiphany, went down a deep rabbit hole of studying neuroscience and ophthalmology and all these other different things that had to do with the brain and came up with a solution to helping athletes be able to master the mental game so that they can perform their best when it matters the most. And that's how NeuroBeast was evolved. That's awesome, awesome. So tell me about um, some of the drills that you are doing. And so from a mental standpoint, how does it really help an athlete with a mental standpoint? So people will see the drills, they'll see the cool yes. gadgets, so how do you take it from, okay, yes, you see these things are sliding up, but it really, really works. It's not just something that's flashy. So how do you teach the athletes that this really works and how does it, how does it work? And so th- this is where, this is all where it's research-based. So now what research is really showing is that athletes don't have a slow reaction time. Athletes aren't stupid. 
the reason why they are slow in that moment or extra tired in that moment or making bad decisions is due to mental fatigue. Mm. And so mental fatigue is the main issue here that's robbing athletes of performance. So it's like, well, are, what is mental fatigue? Well, that's when the cognitive functions of your brain become overloaded and you can no longer process what's going on in your environment. And so what happens next is your body actually starts to shut down. And so you might be able to, I remember as an athlete, so I'm a former collegiate athlete as well as you are. I remember my first game in college, just being so overwhelmed with the speed of the game. And I was in perfect shape. I remember being so gassed. I'm like, why am I so tired right now? I'm, in, I'm the first in sprints. I'm the strongest on the team. I can jump the highest. Why do I feel like I'm dying right now in this game? It's because literally my body was trying to shut down as I'm trying to push it harder. So now my rate of perceived exertion was higher. And so I was just mentally overloaded. That was the main issue. And so what we've done now is create a practice where through uh, our, our main mission is to enhance cognitive capacity. So the, the amount of space that you have to make decisions. Mm -hmm. So now when you get put in a tight situation, your brain has enough space to properly perceive process and now your body can perform an accurate action that's good stuff good stuff yeah so I, I like that so um tell me about like one of the drills that you would do with a, with a basketball players being that you know i coach basketball players what mm -hmm. are one of the drills that you would do with a basketball when it comes to and so and so here, here's one of the things that i kind of i hate to admit but i feel like what we do in the cognitive field what we actually do you remember those posts back in the day it's like what my parents think I do, what my friends think I do, or what I actually do. And so people would like that what they actually think we do is the lights that you see with the basketball. Like those are the stuff that we post because literally it's sexy. It's, yeah, it's yeah. eye drawn. Yeah, it's it's very effective though, but you don't, I say to say this, you don't have to do a sports specific cognitive drill to enhance someone's cognitive capacity. Because the main issue is to enhance cognitive, capa uh, cognitive capacity. So depending on what phase our athlete is in is when we will implement some of those sports specific drills that you see that we post. But the main thing is that we have to get them to make a bunch of decisions within the hour that we have them. Mm -hmm. So in strength and conditioning to enhance endurance, you, you know, lift more reps every time you work out. So you start out week one, six reps, week two, eight reps. And as your capacity builds, you're able to handle more and more reps. It's the same thing in the, in the cognitive training room. So our sessions are based on decisions. And so we usually start athletes out with about 750 to 1,000 decisions, and we can work them up to upwards of 8,000 decisions in one session. 8,000 decisions in one session. What kind of decisions are, are they? So, so take some of the drills you see. So let's say like the basketball drill with the fit legs, right? So the athlete has to decide what color is it? What move is associated with that color? And depending on the placement of the light, do I do that move once or twice? So every time that light flashes, it's what color is it? That's one decision. What move I need to do? That's another decision. And how many times I'm doing that move? So each time the light flickers, it's three decisions. So you, you hear 8,000 decisions and think, well, that's a lot. But when you think about over a 60-minute period and when an athlete, my good athletes that are very cognitively sharp, 
can do upwards of 250 to 300 decisions in one minute, mm. depending on what drill we're doing. Yes. And so imagine having the capacity to do that and then going back and playing your sport now. And playing a sport. you're not making that many decisions. Yeah. Things, things start to look slow now. Yeah. And, that, and that's now. where I call it the matrix effect, where you know, we all know the scene in the matrix where he's mm. dodging the bullets. Well, so, so many of my athletes have reported that once they, you know, built up that capacity, things start to happen a lot slower in their sport now. Like they say, the game starts to slow down. So would you um, say like they're in a flow state? Uh, yes, flow. To me, flow is more of like, a, I would say, yeah, possibly, yes. Flow. My definition of flow is when the task is slightly above the athlete's point of focus and you have to level your focus up and you have to stay there. That's when you kind of achieve that state of flow. Cause you know, it's when you're doing something that's too easy that you can do and you can be distracted while doing it, you're really not in flow. Yeah, if it's too hard, it's, you can't get in flow either. But right. It's a slightly above what you're able to do where you have to really lock in and when you stay in that state of being locked in for extended periods of time, that's when you can start to feel flow. Yeah, that, that flow movement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I love we, that. A lot of my athletes experience that here in the lab. And that's that's kind of what we're chasing, you know, in the lab is is flow. I was like, did you feel that right there? I was like, you got 12 in a row right right there. Like, how did you feel? What did you notice? Like, I'll give them, after we do the drills, I'll sometimes I'll give them a quick little questionnaire about how they feel. And like, how much effort did you need to do to do that? Was, did it feel like it was easier? Did it feel like it was hard? How do you feel mm -hmm. now? And they start to kind of understand the power of their mind once they hit that flow state. I love that. And so, again, we see a lot of athletes who are focusing more on the physical part of the game instead of the mental part of the game. And so what is your approach in you discussing that with an athlete? How do you, and I wouldn't say convince, because convincing to me mm -hmm. is like you're begging someone, but how do you educate an athlete? Like, look, you are focusing a lot on the physical part, which is fine, but you also mm -hmm. need to incorporate some mental training. How do you educate somebody in the mental part of the game? Yeah, so part of our process is three-step process. We call it educate, engineer, and empower. So it's mm -hmm. the three E's. And yeah. so before, you know, getting anything bought in, anybody bought into anything, you have to educate them on what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. And so our education piece, we break down sports performance into three different pieces. You have your tactical, you have your strength and conditioning, and you have your mental. Well, they're familiar with the first two, right? They know how to skill strain, know how to work on your jump shot and how to get stronger and faster, but nobody really knows or has a system to really training someone to have better mental skills, better cognitive skills. And so that's when they're like, man, like these are that they have the awareness of like, this is what I really need to be working on to get better because I know the play, but for some reason I can't execute it when called upon. Right. Or yes. I know I, I know I can dribble really good, but when it's time for me to get in the game, I feel like I don't dribble the same way that I right. do in practice. Yeah. So they, they know they have the physical ability. It's like, well, now what's gonna help me cross over that bridge? And it's it's the mental performance. Yeah. And yeah. so once they understand it's what they need, now they're more open to different ways of us getting there. Yeah. And so we, we, we do a big, big part on just educating them and then really educating them also, like we just talked about, too, on mental fatigue. A lot of them don't think they're getting mentally fatigued, but a lot of them are, you know, 
and being able to build up the resiliency, the mental fatigue will make them feel better physically. Also, they'll, be, they'll make better decisions and they'll enjoy the game a lot better. Like yeah, there's an enjoyability factor when you're not feeling like that overwhelmed all the time. So um, you did talk about, you know, the, what you do allows the athlete brain to um, have the capacity to bring in new information and actually help with mental fatigue. So from, let's go from a more proactive, I want to say proactive, what you're doing is proactive as well, but let's have mm-hmm. out before an athlete hits that mental fatigue wall, what can he do um, besides doing what you work with athletes? What can he do in, what else can he do to help them with right. the mental fatigue? And so when we talk about mental performance, my definition of mental performance, it's the psychological and cognitive practices and strategies that people use to enhance their overall performance. So it's not just the cognitive stuff. It's not just touching the lights. It's also the psychological skills. You're, you know, a big thing I tell people with is like to make you more efficient, even if you talk about the human body, is if you get stronger and you lose weight. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're carrying less excess weight and you're getting stronger in the process, you're going to be you're going to be stronger, more relative to your size. And you're going to have better performance. And so it's the same thing with the brain. So how do we take weight off? Well, we we do what's called cognitive appraisal. Like, do how big is this game to you? Really big? Well, why is this a big game to you? It's just a game. Yeah. So when you take when you take away some of the appraisal, and you'll hear uh, my favorite thing is Super Bowl time when they interview the athletes. They always say the same thing. So it's like, you know, so, so Tom Brady, what are you doing today to you know prepare for tonight's big game? Well, same well, thing know, I've been doing. <laughs> same thing I've been doing. It's just, just another game. And we're looking like, just another game. It's the Super Bowl. It's yeah. like, no. To those just, guys, it literally is just, just another, another game. game. And strategically for them to think of it any other way would hurt them. Yep. You're so, so spot on with that. I absolutely love that. And I teach that at work with, when I work with my athletes, they're saying, well, I get nervous because the opponent we're facing. I'm like, okay, what's the difference? Um, you're still playing a game of basketball, right? And so exactly. one thing I love to say is don't rise up to the occasion, sink into your training. So the training mm-hmm. that you've been doing all these years is all you have to do. You train, and then you go out there and perform. You don't get overly hyped because you're facing your rival. You sink back to your tra- training and you play the game. And exactly. I think athletes are self-sabotaging themselves by making the game bigger than what it is. At the end of the day, you're playing the game of basketball. You're why why, why lift 500 pounds when you only have to lift 100 pounds? Right. <laughs> exactly. Why, why, make it, why make it harder? Why, why, why make it harder? And to me, I always tell them it's, it's strategy, though. It's strategy. Yeah. Because I think to, when it sounds like you're preaching to the athlete or... Like, this is what you need to do, blah, 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 blah. Some of them like, well, you don't know me, but it's like, no, this is, this is our mental performance strategy. Yeah. Right? And, then, and then by doing that, they start to have the aha moment. It's like, well, I'm doing, this about, I'm doing the same thing about this big test or about this girl I want to go talk to and I don't have the guts to go talk to her. I'm making everything so much bigger than what it is. I think they call it a catast- catastrophizing. I think they yeah, call yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, yeah. So it's like, well, if I... What if I play and I miss a shot and coach doesn't think I'm good and he takes me out the game and I don't start the rest of the year? It's like, no, uh, it's a whirlpool of just what is. What is? That, 
Or are you saying, right? Or if you're saying, what if I miss a shot? Well, what if you make the shot? How about you entertain that idea? You know, exactly. our minds are just, our minds, as you all know, is just built to be negative. You know, that's how our mm -hmm. minds are. And so we fall into that trap of thinking negatively and thinking of the worst case scenario. I'm like, okay, well, first of all, what are you, what if you just flip it to a more productive or positive scenario? Or what about we just don't think about the outcome at all and we just play? What about right. that? Yeah. <laughs> and and that's where the enjoyability is, because also, and you've probably had a lot of experience with athletes with this, too, is when, when you talk about performance anxiety, is that when you are thinking about that game being a big game or you are playing your rival, you're already mentally thinking about, oh, it's going to be crowded. We're playing our rival. Uh, this and that's going to happen. Like you're already building up anxiety prior mm -hmm. to the event. Yes. And you're using your power of your imagination, you're conditioning your body now to be nervous once it comes game day because you're thinking in that, that same yes. way. You're actually using visualization in the wrong way. Wrong way. <laughs> I was about to yeah. say that. You're not right. using visualization to help you. You're using it to hurt right. you. And I think I'm so big on visualization. I do it myself every single morning in the line of work that I do. I'm always visualizing my best self. And I also visualize what can go wrong and how I respond to what can go wrong. So you could use visualization, you know, two ways of you picturing your best performance and you um, handling adversity. So that's one of the one of the best tools that I use for my athletes and for myself as well. Yeah. So our our practice is is you know both dual cognitive training, but also the mental performance work, mm -hmm. the the mental skills training that they're going to need too, because they need both. Yeah. You know, to do that. And sometimes it, it the the session it's crazy how lights tennis balls you know numbers can induce anxiety in an athlete the one of the biggest criticisms that we received when we first started doing it was like that's fine but like that's not game like situation like that's not game like pressure well come in here and do some of this stuff and feel your heart rate raise you're like why am i nervous doing these drills, doing these drills because yeah. it's stress all you got to do is stack stress and then stress in the form of decisions the more decisions that you have to make under the parameters of time or streets or things mm -hmm. like that automatically add stress to us, especially yeah. if you already are somewhat competitive. Yeah. You know, that you want to perform well. Like I have yeah. athletes that, especially my pros, I love working with the pros because they're top notch. They're best at what they do <laughs> in the world. They come in the cognitive lab and what ends up happening is they have to revert back to a novice mindset mm -hmm. on how to learn these things, which is great because then they can kind of go back to their, what they're doing with that same mindset, which helps them grow. If you think you're, you know, Mr. Hot Stuff and you know everything and you can do everything, well, guess what? You've hit your ceiling. You're not going to get any better. But if you take on the novice approach to where like, I always can get better, we'll talk about that, the growth mindset. Love now that. you can continue to excel throughout your whole entire career. And that's, the, the people that have that mindset are the people's names that we know. Mm -hmm. Your Tom Brady's, your LeBron James's, you know, guys that get exponentially better every season. Every season. And you're, and you're just like, oh, how do they do it? And a lot of athletes don't see how they do it or they hear about it. Oh, they're training the mental. Uh, I, I don't need to do that. Well, if right. the Brady's are doing it, if the Russell Wilson's are doing it, if the Bronze, yeah. the Kobe's, the MJ's are doing it, why can't you do it? And that's right. that's mind boggling to me. Success leaves clues. So if he's doing it, go ahead and follow in that person's footsteps and try to do what they did. 
That's well, a big misconception of mental training too is that it is only for the elites. It's like yeah. once you've mastered this and this, okay, now you can work on your mental game. No, the, the mental game is the link between everything else that you're doing. It's only going to enhance everything else that you're doing and it's going to bring together everything that you're doing. You know, yeah. especially coming from the strength coach background, there's nothing more frustrating than seeing an athlete that you know has the physical potential not not show it in the game. Yeah. And, and it's like, also, cause like, you know, we're entrepreneurs at the end of the day when you're a strength coach. So like, sound, as bad as it sounds, your athletes are your product. And yeah. if your product's yeah. out there not looking good, that makes you look bad. That, that makes you look bad, yeah. Yeah, and so that's why exactly, that's why for me to have a competitive edge in the strength and conditioning field is why I got into the mental game. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I can give them another competitive advantage over their opponents that these other kids aren't getting. Yeah. And we've had, we've had some amazing, amazing like stories of like teams that we've worked with and where they've had to utilize their, their mental skills to win championships and things mm -hmm. like that. Like I'm, I'm a basketball background like you, but I, you know, I have my name on volleyball banners and softball banners wow. from, from titles that we won. And, you know, I know more about those sports now, but even at the time of winning those championships still knew very little about the actual sport but I know that if you train the mental side of it, that you would have a competitive advantage over, over a lot of your opponents. Yeah, that, that, that is you're, you're so spot on. So the last question I want to ask is what we touched based on what two weeks ago when I was on your podcast, and it's about confidence. I think one of the big um, issues that a lot of young athletes face is confidence. So question to you, where does confidence come from and how can athletes build their confidence? Yeah. So, you know, the, the answer, the answer to both of those questions is just put in the work is the easiest question, right? And digging deeper into this, putting in the work, what does that mean? Well, that means routines. Like, what is your routine every single day? What is your to-do list? Like, you know, uh, the girl I'm dating right now, she's in med school and she's a 4 a.m.er. She wakes up at 4 a.m. She writes out what she needs to do for the day. That's part of her schedule is writing out what she needs to do for the day. She writes it out, types it out, and then starts to, starts to check off those things on the list. And at the end of the night, she is, you could just tell she's so confident because she got through everything on her list. She, got through everything she, she, she won that day. She, if that day was a game, she won that, she won that day. And then all you got to do is accumulate win after win after win, day after day. Now you're going into a competition. You know, you've stacked up all these wins. Now, you're, now you can be high. But like, if you really haven't put the work in, now you have to go through this whole psychological manipulation yeah. to make yourself confident. It's yeah. really not authentic confidence. Not authentic, yeah. You're just trying to self-talk yourself yeah. into having a good performance, which you which you can do that, but it does, it's not going to last the test of time. No, it's not. And so, um, and I love what you said, basically put in the hard work and that is AKA preparation. You have to prepare, you have to prepare. And a lot of athletes don't put that work in or they don't prepare. And I love that your girlfriend puts in, you know, write her, her to-do list down. And for those who are listening, your to-do list doesn't have to be a hundred things. It doesn't have to be no. 50, it doesn't even have to be 10. Write out your three MITs, most important tasks, three things that you want to get done that day. And at the end of the day, when you crossed it off, you have that little win and it's the small wins that accumulate that kind of, that builds your confidence, right? And so yeah. I think, 
a lot of athletes, they overcomplicate the whole confidence thing. It's just the small daily wins that you get to accomplish each, each and every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that was great. So this was a great session. I absolutely love this session. I, I'm going to have to have you back because I could tell that you have a lot of knowledge and you could go anywhere with oh, yeah. what you know. And um, it's just amazing. I love that you brought up routines. Routines are very important to an athlete's development or non-athlete's development as well. I, you know what? I think everybody's an athlete. You know, everybody in the world, I would consider you all athletes because you all are trying to get better. We're all competing, hopefully against ourselves to become a better person. So everybody's an athlete. And so the routines that you mentioned, spot on, mm -hmm. absolutely spot on. And you're gonna and, say- And, and, and having, having confidence and what we teach is having confidence is like one of the first prerequisites of being an actual competitor. Yep. You know, like I think at the end of the day from a, from a when we're looking at sports, one of the goals of a mental performance coach is to turn their client into the ultimate competitor. And and part of that is having confidence. The other part is having the in, the proper energy, the proper effort, uh, being a good teammate. You know, all those things kind of go into being a competitor. Having next level focus, being able to lock in and really focus on the task at hand. These are all things that builds up the ultimate competitor and making you mentally tough enough to withstand the ups and downs of your sport and willing to go through that that dark path and also have the, the capacity to be able to do what uh, feel or deal with when things are really good too. I've yeah. seen athletes not handle doing well that well, you know, it's a skill. Like when you're playing well, you have to have to know it. Quick story I'll share with you with uh, one of my baseball athletes is he, and he was, he was prepared for this because we mentally prepared for this, but he did a um, like a five week session with me and played out of his mind during spring training. And so what happened was he started hitting really well. So he was batting like all, almost 500 the, for the first couple of games or whatever. And before when he would take swings before in practice, there'll be nobody around watching him take swings. Well, now you're batting 500 and you're looking real good. Everybody's like, oh, what are you doing? Like they're asking him all these questions, making you think about it. It's like, so there's, there's a lot that comes with success as well that you have to be ready to deal with. Yeah. And a lot of people, if you're cocky, we talked about being cocky and our, our thing is if you're cocky, you'll forget completely about what got you there to while you're playing well, cause you're bought into all this extra hype. Cause people are saying you are doing so well. If you're not doing well, it's the behaviors and the routines that you've implemented. That you Those are the best. things that are doing well. That's, it has nothing yeah. to do with you. It has all, all the routines and the preparation game that you've been doing. And I just want all athletes to understand that there's no magic pill to turn you to a average player, to an elite player overnight. If you want a magic pill, it's the small, tiny doses that you're taking every day. And that's like you said, the habits and routines that you implement into your lifestyle. And I can't stress that enough, but you know, some people may do it for a week and then they're like, you know what, this is boring. I'm, I'm done. Well, greatness is boring. I'm sorry. To be elite, you got to be boring. You have to be boring. That's what it is. So, yes. Yeah, so. Doing the same thing day in, day out, for sure. Over and over again. Yes. Yeah, so, Tuck, thank you so much. This was great. I can't wait to have you on another show. Where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at, at neuro.beast. Uh, I also have a podcast as well. It's called the Neuro Beast Podcast, available on all the streaming platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. 
And then uh, also, guys, make sure you look forward to we're off, get ready to offer some online training uh, through our website, neurobeast.com. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you for listening to the I Am Mentally Tough podcast. Be sure to take a look at the podcast notes to see how you can get in touch with Coach Anderson, Tuck Taylor, and myself, Coach G.